Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Satyoga Institute. Namaste. First, I would like to welcome to the retreat Rafa, who has finished some lokic service and has been able to run here and be part of the retreat. It's very wonderful to have you join us. And Jagdish, who is completing some alokic service. It's good to have you with us again. Thank you. Thank you both for your dedication. So tonight we'll continue our ongoing discussion of the paradoxes of seva. This morning we talked about the paradoxes of Wu Wei, the catch-22 that makes it impossible to achieve Wu Wei because you can't really make effort to be effortless. So the whole thing is hopeless. Now the Christian monks had an even worse problem because they were trying to teach humility as the key to service but they didn't have anyone who could teach it. <laughs> because anyone who claimed they were humble enough to teach it was guilty of being uh, somebody who was not humble, by definition. So I dare not talk about this without sitting on the floor. You know. <laughs> So it's an impossible situation. If you claim to be humble, then of course it's true, you're not. You have to be humble indirectly. But all of these paradoxes were not a problem for Advaita. Ramana cut through them very easily. He used to say to people who asked these kinds of questions, look, if you've got a chicken, You can't use half of it for laying eggs and the other half for frying. Hardly anybody knew what he meant by that. But it's pretty obvious that if you're going to go on about having a humble ego, then you're not going to get beyond the ego. And the whole Christian idea because Christianity is embedded in the West and the Western ego is committed to Maya. Therefore, the Christian monk who is caught in that kind of an ego syndrome has no choice but to try to humble that ego and to realize that that ego cannot be tamed, it cannot be kept from sin, it cannot be kept from falling into the very vices that the monk is trying to uh, 
free himself from. Because the very structure of the ego is desire. And it's desire for those kinds of possessions and experiences of pleasure and body consciousness that are the very obstacle to liberation. But because the Christian monk does not have the concept of the Atman, his only recourse when he falls into sin and cannot escape from it and realizes the hopelessness of his situation, that he cannot even attain real humility because the ego will always make it into a facade. The ego, the censor will use it for its agenda. Then the only hope he has is to finally come to terms with the impossibility and achieve what they called a broken heart. And by this, it's really, it meant a broken ego, a recognition that the ego is hopeless, it can't be tamed, and it is a sinful in its very nature. And that brokenheartedness that recognizes that the ego's intentions lead to perdition, to hell, to suffering, and that there is no way to tame the ego, to transform it into sinlessness. That broken heart of realizing one's condition paradoxically liberates one from it. The full acceptance of the total catastrophe of egoic life with no hope Okay, this is why Dante had on the, the sign above the door to hell, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. It's very important that we have the same kind of sign up here. <laughs> Even though this is hopefully not a hell realm. But the hope of the ego must be let go of. This cannot be done as an egoic project. It can only be done through the equivalent of the broken heart that the monks are talking about. The recognition that the ego is not serviceable to attain the kingdom of heaven. And it must be junked. It must be surrendered and thrown into the fire. It is not a vehicle of liberation. It is the vehicle of imprisonment. And so once you recognize that this chicken that Raman is talking about, this ego chicken, is not really good for anything except cooking on the sacred fire, then you get on with that process. And your meditation is the act of cooking it. That's why, in a way, it's called yoga agni, the fire of yoga. You're cooking it on the fire and you're producing a transformation within the brain and within the unconscious mind.
and the smoke of this cooking goes to God and Shiva <laughs> likes the smell of it and he comes down and joins you for the dinner. <laughs> and as you're being eaten, because you are, you, your ego is the communion meal, it's the reverse of Christianity. Christianity, you eat God's flesh and this path, God eats yours. And you're liberated as soon as you are digested and burped up by Shiva. <laughs> so the problem is most people don't cook their ego long enough in meditation. And Shiva doesn't want some half-cooked meal. So <laughs> you have to be a good cook. But when the ego is fully cooked, that means there's no longer an I thought that is operating as the organizing principle of your mind. And instead, the presence of Shiva, which enters into the third eye and into the bodily energy field more and more powerfully as you meditate, becomes the source of the power of will, of inspiration, and of spontaneous, effortless action. And because now, not I, but Shiva liveth in me, that full union with God solves all of the problems, answers all of the questions, eliminates all the paradoxes of impossibility because Shiva is the real. And once there is no longer an I who is a doer within duality, that's all over. One has no longer any interest in the games of the phenomenal world. You realize that the phenomenal world is a tiny part of the real. Infinitesimal. Has no significance at all, except as the gateway to Shiva. And once Shiva is achieved, that consciousness is so beyond whatever goes on in this world that all problems are reduced to irrelevance, insignificance. I remember when I was studying with Baba Haridas and I would have some problem that I was very serious about or someone else would. He would bring out a, a little map of the, the world and uh, he'd say, point out where you are. You know, you could barely find it, you know, well, you were somewhere in North America at the time. And then uh, there would be a, a picture, okay, of the solar system. I'll point out where you are. And you try to find, oh, there's the earth. Here I am. How important is your problem? Think of yourself in the context of the universe and then of the vastness of multiple universes and of dimensions of angelic consciousness and God consciousness that transcend all universes. How important is your problem? And once you recognize that, it is easy to let go of it all. I had another teacher who would ask somebody who had a problem, well, 10 years from now, how important will this have been to you? 
And then if they say, oh, well, it's still important, they say, okay, 25 years from now. And if it's still important, then how about 25 lifetimes from now? How important will this be to you? Eventually one would realize, no, this whole thing is insignificant because the ego is insignificant. And once one no longer tries to be significant, that is liberation. And that's humility. And that's being natural and effortless. So East and West are united in this realization. Whether in space or in time, if we take the full coordinates of the real, whatever we're concerned with is absolutely irrelevant to the true nature of what is going on. And the only importance is the surrender of all of the ego's concerns. And the only thing to be concerned with is how well the ego's being cooked and whether Shiva's enjoying the meal. There's nothing else. So if you can hold on to that perspective, you'll be in bliss. And whatever is happening that seems to be difficult or adverse or traumatic, it will pass and it will be resolved. And whatever resources are needed to accomplish it, whatever the it might be, if it's Shiva's will, it'll be accomplished and if not, not. But don't carry anything on your shoulders. Don't even have any shoulders. And if you let Shiva carry it all, then it will be taken care of as it should. And then there won't be any performance anxiety. There won't be any anxiety of any kind any worry about success or failure. And one will be in that state of silence that is the nameless and enduring Tao. And the Tao will emerge and take care of itself. Because the Tao is simply the motion of Shiva as Shakti into the world, into the whole realm of time and space that unfolds of necessity to its highest good. And to achieve the highest good, paradoxically, evil, darkness, uh, failure, all of that is necessary. It's part of the return to the next Satyuga. The ego is necessary. And the surrender of the ego is necessary. And all of it happens automatically. It doesn't happen because you had to do something. You just got here because you were brought here and the ego will be let go of 
and the process will happen all by itself. So there's nothing to do but not get in the way of it. So why create worries about it since those worries are completely irrelevant to the process? And the process will happen more efficiently the less one interferes with some kind of concern that is based on illusion. Since all is perfect and there is only Shiva, whatever else you might think there is, is unreal. There is no cause for any kind of concern. Everything will reach its ultimate goodness, its ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate revelation of God in the world and as the world and beyond the world. And that realization will happen through the instrument of your consciousness. And it will be discovered one day to be your consciousness. And so the more that we simply contemplate that non-conceptually, the more the awesomeness of that truth emerges as the essence of our being. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti podcast. For more information on programs and retreats, click on the calendar section of our website, www.satyoga.org. Our work is made possible by the generous support of our listeners, viewers, and members. To make a donation, please visit the donate page of our website. We thank you for your support in our mission to share this timeless wisdom with the world.